Welcome to the week four QB list, what we saw podcast. I'm the editor in chief at QB list, Eric Smith, and I am joined by Mike Miklius as always on Sunday nights. Uh, and this was a bit of a redemption week this week for the rookie quarterbacks. Um, Zach Wilson and the Jets get their first win of the year. That's a long time coming for that franchise. And uh, it's been pretty ugly the first few weeks. So that was great to see. Um, Justin Fields gets a win after a miserable first week last week. Uh, looked a lot better. We'll get into that later with Mike. Um, Trey Lance came in for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo, played the second half, showed some things, had some work to do, but showed some flashes. And then even Trevor Lawrence on Thursday night, he looked a lot better in a loss against the Bengals. So um, I think it was a nice week for a lot of rookie quarterbacks. Jets got their first win. Washington had a crazy comeback against the Falcons. Poor Falcons fans. They just find a way to lose these crazy games every week. Um, and then kind of the last, you know, big news of the week was the Cardinals going to Los Angeles and easily handling the Rams. So, uh, Mike, thanks for joining me as always. Um, what were some of your big impressions from this week for NFL action? Yeah, it's fun to see uh, more from the rookies. Um, I was I always find myself captivated by these Jets games. Last last year, you know, it was, are they going to accidentally win a game and lose Lawrence? And they did. And then this this week, it was, you know, that that pulse-pounding overtime game where the, the Titans miss a field goal to prevent a tie. Um, and then, of course, Justin Fields looking a lot better. The Bears' offensive line deciding not to stand sideways this week. That was fun. Yeah, Jets got that win over a uh, a very injury-depleted Titans offense, but I don't think they are going to complain about a win. Uh, so They've had some tough games over the years, and they'll take anyone they can. So uh, probably more concern for the Titans going forward, but if they get those receivers back, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, I'm sure that will help. So um, fun weekend. Not really any huge takeaways, though, compared to some of the previous weeks. No major, major injuries, but um, let's get into the injuries that we did see here. Amari um, Cooper left early with a hamstring injury for the Cowboys, but he did return to the game after missing one drive. So that was kind of a false alarm. Logan Thomas leaves the game with the hamstring injury. He put up a goose egg if you had him in your lineup. That was a big one. We'll have to monitor that because Logan Thomas was a legitimate starting tight end. Uh, Will Fuller leaves early with a hand injury. Missed most of the game. Um, he has apparently progressed from the lower leg injuries, and now uh, just all kinds of injuries are taking <laughs> him out. So um, that's a bummer to see. Uh, Tony Jones Jr., the backup to Alvin Kamara, was carted off. We're waiting on status of that injury. Um, Dalvin Cook reaggravated his ankle potentially. Um, he did come back for the final drive of the game, but he missed a big chunk of the game. David Montgomery hurt his knee. Initial tests looked positive, but it looked very bad at first. Um, and then we had a couple quarterback injuries. Jimmy G left the game for the 49ers with a calf injury at, after the first half. And Teddy Bridgewater, about the same, uh, missed the second half with a concussion. So um, other than that, you know, Robbie Gold was injured in pregame, but kickers aren't super exciting here. So um, out of all these injuries, um, what are some of your initial thoughts here, Mike, uh, going forward for these teams? Yeah, so Jimmy G uh, being out could, could be the window for Lance to really take over. We could kind of see a Justin Fields thing here where – Lance, you know, shows some promise and they just say, eh, it's not really worth going back. The fans have gotten a taste of the rookie and we're not going to take it away. Um, I think Bridgewater's a big loss. I, I think he's a lot better than what was behind him. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to hurt a lot. Um, obviously, Delvin, if he's out, hopefully they you got the handcuff. Hopefully, you know, you still were worried about the Delvin injury risk. And Montgomery, I'm going to be watching carefully because if he's gone, I don't think anybody else in that backfield replaces what he does. So I think you, if you lost him, yeah, you can go for Damian Williams, but I don't think that's going to be a replacement. Yeah, that would be a big loss for the Bears if they lost David Montgomery for sure. So let's hope he's back sooner rather than later. I agree with you. I mean, Williams, uh, he, you know, 
I think he would have value in fantasy football leagues, but he's certainly not going to be David Montgomery. Um, and I agree the 49ers, you know, it just kind of gives them a new type of offense if they have Trey Lance in. So um, while I think Jimmy G is probably the better quarterback at this stage, they could try some new things and maybe get a new look and get some excitement on that offense. But the Teddy Bridgewater injury would be big. Um, that offense looked bad with Drew Locke in uh, 12 of 21 for 113 yards and interception, three sacks against a tough Ravens defense. But Bridgewater, when he's in the game, they have a pretty well-designed offense, pretty high-functioning. They can kind of do what they want. They move the ball. They're not going to be majorly explosive, but it looks like a professional offense with Bridgewater, and it doesn't look that way with Locke. So that's a big one to keep an eye on is uh, hopefully just a concussion. Hopefully he's back next week. It's not a major one, but you never know with these concussions. So um, otherwise, um, yeah, I think we avoided some major injuries. I think most of the waiver wire targets are just going to be players that played well as opposed to the backups. So um, that's kind of nice for a week here. So um, let's get into our winners and losers. Um, we do this every week, and it's just kind of a big fantasy takeaway. Uh, Mike, who is your fantasy football winner for this week? So I, I, I want to save a little bit of this when I talk about the Bears, but uh, Darnell Mooney was my big winner. Uh, he had seven targets, five receptions, 125 yards, uh, three receptions of 20-plus yards, including a 60-plus yarder. Um, basically, we're seeing the Bears' passing game starting to come alive, and I think we're seeing what it could be with with the new quarterback and the weapons around him. Um, and then they also designed a run play for him, which may not seem like a big deal, but I love when a weapon who's good at receiving is getting plays designed to get them the ball when they're not getting open like when the team goes to lengths to really involve that weapon. So Darnold Mooney was my big winner today. Yep, he's been seeing the field a lot for them this year, seeing targets that hasn't always translated, but it did this week. So, yeah, again, when we get into this Bears game, um, I may ask you if we got a little bit of a changing of the guard here at the, the Bears' number one receiver. <laughs> I don't know if we're quite there yet, but I'm interested to ask you about that. So uh, my winner for the week, it's I mean, it's kind of an easy one, but it's Saquon Barkley. Uh, I think we can officially say he's back. I know there are going to be some long-term concerns with his injury history, but um, today Saquon Barkley played 57 of 64 snaps, ran 36 routes. He had 13 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown. He also had five receptions for 74 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, the offense overall, I, I think it looked improved. It looked better. Um, you know, playing against a tough defense in New Orleans, they they did it. You know, Daniel Jones played pretty well. So um, I think J Saquon Barkley is officially back here. Uh, we'll see if he gets back to like league winning running back status, um, but he is a workhorse back and he's getting work in the passing game. And I, I think for now, we're just pretty happy with that. So um, good to have you back, Saquon. Um, I know I missed him. Uh, Mike, uh, you see about the same thing here. Pretty, pretty feeling pretty good about Saquon going forward. Yeah, it's it's nice to see the best weapons getting healthier. Unfortunately, you know, where Dalvin Cook's danged up and now Barkley's back and, you know, we lose one, we get one. But Barkley was that explosive weapon when he was drafted. It, everyone kind of made fun of the Giants. But, hey, they got their guy back. He's looking good this week, as you said. It's it, – yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. And he does get the benefit of overtime. So, you know, got a little padding of the stats there. Got a second touchdown that way. But still – uh, I think the big takeaway here is 57 to 64 snaps. He's seeing the field a ton, and that's going to pay dividends on the, in the long run for Saquon Barkley managers. So, uh, Mike, let's get to your loser of the day. This is, uh, I think, a player that you're just pretty much down on in general. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I wasn't sure if you'd catch that, but uh, DeAndre Swift was my big loser. Um, it wasn't really anything he did. Like, he didn't make any big mistakes. He didn't cause any problems. But the, they put in Jamal Williams to start the game. And by whatever bad luck for Swift, Williams was really looking good with his carries. Every it seemed like every time he had the ball, he was finding five, six yards. 
And unfortunately for Swift, every time he got the ball, he's getting met in the backfield. Um, and I, I just think the team is going to see this and be like, well, Williams is the hot hand. Let's give him a few more carries. And I think Swift is clearly the better talent. So let's just say that. But I think it's going to be muddy. I think Williams is going to have these weeks where he sneaks in, takes, you know, more than a dozen carries. And all of a sudden, Swift is going to have a pretty thin margin to being a stud that we think he should be. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm higher on Swift in general than you, and I'm not too worried about this game. I think it's more of just a reminder that this Lions offense is not good, and this is not always going to be pretty from uh, from Swift. I mean, we've we've had an awfully good stretch to start the year from him, and uh, you're certainly still starting him. He's certainly a talented back. I mean, he still led the way, 52 snaps to 21 snaps. But you're right. I mean, Jamal Williams on his 21 snaps had 14 carries. Um, Swift on his 52 snaps only saw eight. Um, sure, Swift got his five targets, but on 33 routes run, like the, the usage numbers are really good from Swift, but they really gave the ball to Jamal when he was in the game. So I do understand um, you being down on him. I, I'm still pretty optimistic on Swift going forward, but uh, it, it, this, this Lions offense is going to be up and down. So we should expect some duds like this from Swift. Yeah, it's worth mentioning also Swift got a few of those targets late in the game. Um, and as I said, I, he's still obviously the talent here you want. And I'm obviously starting him if I've got him on a team. I just think it's, you see kind of the line between the top options like CMC, Alvin Kamara, Delvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, and then that next grade of like DeAndre Swift where you're like, all right, I like him, but yeah, it's possible one week he's going to get me like four points because the team just decides to not actually use him. Right. Yeah, we're kind of seeing that with all these young running backs like Antonio Gibson and Jonathan Taylor. It can be a little up and down. Uh, we've been, really been relying on Swift for that garbage time work, and it just didn't come through for us this week. So, um, yep, I, I can't argue with you a ton there. I still am optimistic. Um, a big loser for me this week was Miles Gaskin for the Miami Dolphins. This is kind of a shocker to me. Uh, Malcolm Brown saw 35 snaps. Miles Gaskin just saw 12, and then saw Salvan Ahmed saw five. Um, and this was in a game script that should have been good for Miles Gaskin. I mean, they were down all game to the Colts. You'd think that would favor him in the passing game. And no, he only gets 12 snaps here. So big concern with Gaskin. I, mean, I think he goes from, you know, someone in that like Mike Davis range where you don't really want to start them, but you know you're going to get your 8 to 10 points out of them. Um, it kind of almost puts that in question now. So I don't even know if you have Gaskin if you want to start him next week. So um, I'll be interested to read what the coaches said, why this changed this week. Um, it's, I can't believe that Malcolm Brown is dominating backfield still, but it appears to be the case. So do you think this is just like a one week thing or is this, uh, maybe beginning of the end for Gaskin as like a, a startable fantasy player? Yeah, I, I was pretty out on Gaskin this year. Um, and the reason is I just don't see him as a special talent. Yeah. Like with Swift, I didn't like him because I don't trust the coaches in the team. If I had him on a different team, you know, that would really feature him like Pittsburgh. I'd be like, Oh, Swift is the man. I want him everything I can of him. But it's just like a bad situation. With Gaskin, I just don't think he's a special talent. Like, I look at him running, and I look at Salvin Ahmed running, and I don't I don't see much difference. They seem like virtually the same guy. Um, so, yeah, I am. I would be worried. I think they're basically going to go with the hot hand. Like, whoever's looking good that day, let's just stick with him because all three of these guys are pretty replaceable, in my opinion. Yeah, and, I mean, they're down – you know, like I said, they're down. I mean, they started out up three on the Colts, but we're pretty much down the rest of the game. And Gaskin doesn't even get a target. And that's been his consistency is just that he gets six, seven, eight targets a game. He'll give you five catches. That kind of adds up in PPR leagues. And if he's not going to get that, uh, we're in trouble here. So I agree. He was never going to um, be a dynamic player and take over this backfield. I did kind of think, though, he'd be able to contribute most of the year. So 
let's keep an eye out on what the coaches had to say. But uh, bad news for Gaskin going forward, for sure. So those are our winners and losers of the week. Um, let's get on to just some of the noteworthy snap counts. Um, we're gonna, we're not going to touch on every game this week. So there are just a few that I wanted to go over that we aren't going to touch on. Um, we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills backfield. I think it's always worth just checking in on that. Um, Zach Moss got 40 snaps, Devin Singletary 32. Uh, so we had kind of seen a bit of a trend of Moss uh, kind of passing and taking over Singletary and it for the most part evened out today. So it's kind of back to the committee. Um, they blew out the Texans 40 to nothing. So I think I would take the usage here with a little bit of a grain of salt, but they both saw the same amount of snaps. Um, I had called Zach Moss a sit on the sit start podcast this week, just because I thought he was too touchdown dependent. Um, he does get his touchdown, um, but he still doesn't get you a whole lot. I mean, just 61 yards rushing, um, no catches. So even with that touchdown, he was borderline startable. So um, I don't know. I don't think there's much here in this backfield. And in a game that they won this handily, um, if they're not going to come through for you this week, I'm not very interested. But I do think Moss is the better player. I would lean Moss going forward. But do you have any opinions on this backfield at all? Yeah, I agree. I, the The Bills feel like one of those teams where their goal in their head is kind of like, obviously, we need to win games and try to win the AFC. But at the same time, it's like, let's just get to the postseason healthy because we have a stud quarterback and stud weapons. And we just don't want to be in a situation where Moss and Singletary both go down and suddenly we're starting, you know, some schmo off the streets to, to, to carry the ball for us. Um, yeah. I, I don't see any reason why they're going to change this mix where one week it'll be a little more Moss, the next week a little more Singletary. And the goal is really just, you know, keep everybody healthy and relatively happy. Yeah. And it just really shows, I mean, in a PPR league, uh, Moss only gets you 12 points, even with a touchdown. You'll get someone like Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols for the Titans. Um, he had 12 targets, eight catches, and 74 yards, and he has more points than Zach Moss this week. So it's just really tough. Uh, you're just really banking on touchdowns with these guys because uh, we know that Josh Allen's going to throw it down the field. He's not going to be checking down to these running backs. So um, let's see. Let's go to the Saints. Um, there's going to be a lot of panic about Alvin Kamara this week. Um, he saw 59 out of 68 snaps, though, so he's out there a ton. Um, ran 20 routes. That's probably not a ton for him on a typical week and saw zero targets. And I thought it was a little odd that um, his backup running back saw three targets on just 13 snaps. So I would tend to lean towards this being a little bit more of a fluke. Um, the zero targets for Kamara still saw a ton of work on the ground, but this Saints offense is just not really clicking at all. I, I know we expected a drop back with Breeze retiring, but I think we expected a little more out of Winston and uh, Sean Payton than we're, what we're getting here. So usage is great for Kamara, not getting the passing game work. Are you like at all thinking about dropping him out of that, you know, elite RB range, or is he still locked in as like a top five guy for you? Yeah, I think I am. Um, what, what always made him attractive was the passing game work. I didn't like him because I was expecting 20 carries. I wanted him to see, you know, five, like, like five to eight good targets, things he could catch and run with and get an open space and losing that really stinks. Like I, I don't need 20 carries from him. I, I want high value touches where he can just run and get open. Um, I honestly wonder if the Saints were struggling, if they would consider moving him to another team just because if they're not going to use him the way he should be used, he's just more valuable to a contender. Yeah, I mean, they've been kicking the salary cap problems down the road for years um, until Breeze retired. At some point, yeah, I don't know if they're going to have to rebuild or they're just going to keep kind of rolling with the strategy. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Kamara has 20-plus carries in three or four games. I mean, he had 120 yards rushing today. 4.6 yards a carry like he was good on the ground but 
Um, this, I, this is, yeah, this is the opposite of a Camara stat line here. I mean, 12 PPR points on 26 touches, zero catches, zero targets. Like that's the complete opposite of Camara. So I yep. agree with you. Um, I don't know if I'm as concerned though, just because I do think they can make adjustments. Um, he still has 12 plus points in three or four weeks. And I, I don't know. I think expecting it to be like this for the whole season, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go there quite yet. So he's kind of getting by for you without the passing game work. As long as they make this adjustment eventually, I'm still pretty optimistic. But we are a ways away from his you know, 12 target days. So some cause for concern. I'm, I'm probably lowering him to the back end of the elite running backs, but I think I'm keeping him there for now. We just It'd just really be nice to see this offense look better in general. I think that's the big thing. Um, let's go to Kansas city. I don't even know why we talk about their secondary receivers anymore, but I thought it was pretty <laughs> funny that Demarcus Robinson, uh, 45 snaps. That was second among all receivers, um, ran 24 routes, zero targets, uh, Nicole Hardman, 35 snaps. So he was the third, um, you know, in, in the usage for the receiving core. Um, he had 23 routes, just as many as Robinson. Um, he did have three targets and two carries, but, it sure seems like CEH is getting more involved um, in general in the offense, and it's all Kelsey and Kittle other than that, or Kelsey and uh, Hill other than that. So we're still out on these secondary receivers, right, even if, like, Josh Gordon gets in here someday? Yeah. It, the only way I get excited about a third receiver is if it's an established big name coming in from somewhere else. I will. I am so far out on Michael Hardman to Marcus Robinson. At some point, Hardman's going to have his like two touchdown, five catch, hundred yard game. And everyone's going to be like, see, it's happening. He's awake. He's yep. alive. It's it's about to blow up. Um, but the problem is he's just not Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is not only really fast, but he's amazing at playing the position. Like if he lost his speed, I think he would still be a good receiver because he knows how to play receiver with Michael Hardman, I don't see the same thing. He's fast, but that's about all he has. He's just not otherwise a, a great receiver. If he took away his speed, he'd be out of the league so fast. Yep, I agree. All right, we, I just it's worth checking in every week. So you know, we got to make sure nothing's <laughs> changed. But yeah, I don't think anything's changed. So, um, and speaking of the Chiefs, though, uh, it's interesting because Ceh has probably had his best two game stretch he's had in a while. Um, but just looking from the usage, it's not real great this week. CEH sees 35 snaps, Daryl Williams, 24. He was in the red zone a decent amount in this game. Um, and then Jarek McKinnon, eight snaps. So it's actually kind of a regression in usage here for CEH this week, but the, the results were great. So we're not going to complain, but, uh, do you think this is an issue going forward with CEH seeing less work? Um, they trying to keep him fresh or was this just kind of a, a blip on the radar here? I think it's fine. Um, I think he's the best option there. And I think the Chiefs know if they want to be a real contender again, like if they want to have a real shot at the Super Bowl and beat these good teams like Tampa Bay or LA or whoever they, they match up with, they, they've got to have some kind of attack out of the backfield, whether it's running, whether it's someone who can catch the ball, they've got to develop something. They can't just be that one dimensional offense yep. that they were last year. Yeah. And the Chiefs, I mean, 32 carries for 200 yards. Um, some of that came from Mahomes. Some of that came from Michael Hardman. They got about 50 combined. But um, yeah, I mean, CEH has looked really good on the ground. 14 carries for 102 yards. Uh, uh, Daryl Williams had 10 for 42. Um, it was nice to see CEH get that uh, gimmicky shovel pass kind of play that they usually give to Kelsey <laughs> or uh, an offensive lineman. So uh, yeah, I, I think he's about in the same spot, but it would be a concern if Williams sees this many snaps going forward. So um, let's get to the Eagles. Um, Miles Sanders, 47 snaps. Kenny Gainwell, 29. Um, in a game they were trailing a lot. Uh, Gainwell gets six targets. Sanders only gets three. Um, and if Sanders only going to get seven carries and only see three targets, he's 
pretty much unstartable. I know they're not always going to be trailing and, you know, playing a team that puts up 42 points like the Chiefs, but um, can we start Miles Sanders or is he just kind of like for your bench hoping for a, a change in usage here? Man, we're just like going down the hit list of guys I never liked. <laughs> uh, yeah, Miles Sanders, I, I think he's still startable. Um, okay. I mean, this was a this was a pretty crazy game in terms of game script. So I wouldn't call this normal. Um, it, it, it's not great. It's not great when your quarterback has more rushes than you do and you're, you know, supposed to be a really good back. But I always like Sanders is the big play guy. So when the weeks he doesn't have the big play, it's going to look really, really, really ugly. But if he had, you know, busted off one seventy yarder like he t- like often does, we'd be like, oh, that's great. 80, 80 yards a touchdown, three receptions, 30 yards. It's a good day. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a little concern that, um, you know, Gainwell seems to be taking a pretty significant passing game role here. That's always how I liked uh, Miles Sanders the most was in the passing game. So you're right. He's going to be big play dependent now. Um, got a matchup against the Panthers next week, which is, I think, probably so-so. Um, then you get the Buccaneers. That's a bad matchup. But then it opens up some Raiders, Lions, Chargers. So uh, there could be some good games ahead. Um, yeah, it's just I think he's going to be pretty boom bust going forward, though. We, I yeah, don't think we can count on that passing game volume from week to week. I, yeah, I didn't get to see this one to be fair, so I'd have to see the context also in which uh, in which Gainwell got his work. Was it you know was it in prime time? Was it important? Was it kind of like oh he happens to be in and we're in a quick drive, so he's going to get a few passes here? Um, I'd, I'd have to see kind of how it looked. And from what I saw, they were fairly evenly mixed in. But yeah, again, that's not one I watched from start to finish. We'll get to those in a little bit. Um, and then finally, uh, the Colts backfield had kind of condensed to two players before this week. Um, and they had talked about they were going to try to trade Marlon Mack potentially. There was some talk about that. And uh, it goes back to a three-man committee this week. Jonathan Taylor sees 36 snaps. Marlon Mack, 22. Naheem Hines, 22. Um, not great for Jonathan Taylor managers here. Uh, it was, it was really nice when it was just two players. So, um, hopefully this is part of, you know, them having a lead. Maybe they just thought they could, uh, rest Taylor a little bit. I mean, he still gets 103 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown, not a lot of passing game work, three catches for 11 yards. So, um, I don't know. He's going to have to be awfully efficient if this is his usage, but, um, we got by this week. So I, I don't think it's a huge concern, but it's worth monitoring. Would you agree with that, Mike? Yeah, the Heinz thing is fine. Heinz is always going to be there. The Mac thing, like if I was a Taylor owner, I would just want to throw up because it's like, all right, Taylor is a better back. Just give him those ten carries. Let's not let's not goof around here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, long term it'll be fine. Okay, man. I just saw an update. Um. Looks like Jimmy G is going to be out a couple weeks with his calf injury, so we may be getting pretty used to Trey Lance here, which is uh, a lot of fun. I think we've all been wanting to see him. I don't know if it's all going to be perfect in San Francisco with him leading the way, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. We'll probably touch on that game uh, a little bit later, the uh, 49ers and Seahawks game, because that was a fun one. So, all right. So we're going to get into the games that Mike and I watched uh, from start to finish this week. Um, make sure to check out QBList.com, though, and the What We Saw article. Um, we have a staff member assigned to every game watching them start to finish. Uh, we'll catch you up on a lot of stuff that you missed while you were watching Red Zone or watching your home team or whatever. So please check that out. We'll also be on Reddit answering a ton of questions. So anything we don't cover here, please go to the website um, and get caught up. But uh, we are going to start with a game that I watched quite a bit of. Um, this was the Carolina Panthers against the Dallas Cowboys. It was actually a really entertaining game. Um, Dallas wins 36 to 28. Um, they pretty much controlled it throughout. So it wasn't quite as close as the score looked. But um, let's start with the Panthers. Uh, first game without Christian McCaffrey. I think Chuba Hubbard 
probably was what we all hoped for. Um, maybe the results weren't quite there, uh, but he led the uh, backfield with 33 snaps. Rodney Smith saw 26. I think some of that was some of the game script. And then Royce Freeman sees 12. But Hubbard definitely looked like the best back here. Um, and I think it was encouraging going forward for him. Uh, most weeks are not going to be playing a Cowboys team that puts up so many points. But um, Chuba Hubbard was really involved early on. Uh, he was breaking long runs. He was breaking like 15-yard runs and um, just looked really talented. So um, he finishes with 13 carries for 57 yards. Um, so that was just part of the game script. Uh, a little bit of a concern. He only sees two targets. Um, his second catch was pretty late in garbage time. So he was not a big factor in the passing game. But Overall, I think it was pretty concern or pretty encouraging. Royce Freeman didn't get a fir- his first touch until ten minutes left in the second quarter. Um, Rodney Smith came in after that a little bit. Like I said, was involved in some passing game work. But overall, Hubbard looks like he was worth the investment. Um, we'll see when McCaffrey's back, but I-, I would think we're getting another week or two out of Hubbard, and I'd be pretty confident starting him going forward. Um, do you have any thoughts on Hubbard? Like, are you concerned that Smith and Freeman saw so many snaps? Um, I-, I don't know if we quite have. Mike Davis usage here out of Hubbard, but I think he's still going to be useful. Yeah, this answered this game answered the question of where is Royce Freeman and is he still in the league? <laughs> um, and that that speaks to like how much I'm worried about him. I that yeah, not at all. Um, my real question, my takeaway, or my I'm curious to hear on this. Do you think Chubba Hubbard is going to steal some of CMC's workload? Because I think CMC part of the problem is they use him like he's invincible, and they give him just endless touches. And they just keep going and going and going. And they just like shamelessly lean on him endlessly. Do you think it's possible that McCaffrey's numbers might drop down a bit and Hubbard will steal some of those carries just to keep McCaffrey fresh? I think that's a valid concern. It's always tough predicting how these coaches are going to use their players. Um, and you would have thought maybe they learned the lesson from last year, uh, but they were using McCaffrey like the old McCaffrey. But yeah, the fact that, uh, what was it, week three, when an injury pops up already after what they went through last year, I would agree with you. I think they need to scale them back a little bit, um, especially, I mean, they're looking like a pretty good team here, Carolina is. And um, if they want to compete for the playoffs, they need McCaffrey around all year. So I think it's a valid concern. Um, I I would see Hubbard as being more the between the tackles guy to spell him. Uh, McCaffrey would still be the passing game. I don't think he, McCaffrey would lose that much value just, just because of his passing game ability. Um, and he, he's still going to dominate the snaps. But yes, I think that's a legit concern that Hubbard could maybe get more of a 20 to 30% snap share going forward. So we'll have to see. Um, One note I thought was hilarious is that Royce Freeman, I think he's only 25 years old. I looked that up the other day. So I was shocked when I saw that. I I would have guessed another two or three years older. So, um, but yeah, Hubbard, I think he's the most talented back. And yeah, I think he could mix in when McCaffrey's back. So I think that's a good point. Yeah, if we look at McCaffrey's last healthy season, so it's 2019 because 2020, obviously he missed a lot of time. He was averaging 25 touches per game. He had 400 plus touches on the year, which is just insane. Like I wouldn't want Derrick Henry seeing that workload if I was a fan, because, you know, I'm just afraid like these guys can't hold up to that. That's a lot of pounding to take when you're getting hit like 400 times a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it made sense. He, you know, his injury came in a Thursday night game with a short week. I, I think they just, yeah, they need to take care of him a little more. I know I'm sure he's fighting for every snap he can get, but Hubbard looks good enough. They, I think he's going to mix in. I agree with you. So, um, otherwise, for the Panthers, uh, DJ Moore looked great. Um, he was all over the place, breaking tackles, uh, had a, you know scoring touchdowns. He had two touchdowns in this game, and um, Darnold even missed him on a deep pass where he had a step. Um, he was DJ Moore was just short of a third touchdown early in the game, coming out of the backfield as a receiver. So 
Um, DJ Moore ends up 12 targets, eight receptions, 113 yards, two touchdowns. He's the clear number one on this team. He looks awesome. Um, so he was, I almost picked DJ Moore as my winner. I just, I think that was kind of obvious though. Like we already <laughs> knew he was really good, but uh, he's going to be ranked as a wide receiver one going forward, I would say. Um, otherwise, um, they tried to get Robbie Anderson involved. Um, he had 11 targets, just turned it into five for 46. But um, Darnold missed him on two deep passes, um, one on a double move. He was open on both of them. Um, he did pick up a third and 12. Like he, he had some design screens to him. So it was actually a, an encouraging game for Robbie Anderson. I'd put it more on Darnold than anyone. Um, so I, I think they're pretty, you know, I, he's on the right track. I think they can be a good one-two punch. Terrace Marshall wasn't super involved, the rookie here. So, um, yeah, I, I think this was a good day for Anderson. Um, as far as Darnold goes, started out really hot in this game. Um, he had two more rushing touchdowns. I think he's got five on the year now. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's, I think he was leading the league at one point. I don't know if anyone passed him. But um, I, the, the Cowboys pressure started to get to him, though. He was five, sacked five times. Um, he missed a couple deep shots, like I said. And then Trayvon Diggs for the Cowboys kind of took over and had two picks. Um, and you could tell Darnold started to rush his throws from the pressure and just wasn't as comfortable. So I think Darnold looked really good overall. It started to fall apart a little bit on him. Um, but, you know, they I mean, they used him as a rushing quarterback. Like he I mean, his his first rushing touchdown was like an option play. So um, and I think it's overall encouraging for Darnold. But we did see kind of what happens to him when pressure starts to get to him. So um, any takeaways from this Panthers offense that I didn't cover there? Yeah, I think it's fair what you said about Darnold that, you know, he's still he's still the guy who was seeing ghosts a year ago. And I, I think we can see the talent. I think he probably needs another year to fully like get used to the fact that he's not a jet and he can be successful. Um, but I, I, otherwise, I think he covered it pretty well. So, yeah. Yeah. And just like I said, a couple missed throws. Uh, he could make those in the future. I think they have a really well designed offense and he's taking advantage of it. Um, but when he has to go to the second or third read, there's still some work there. But um, I think depending on the matchups, though, we can be starting Darnold and fantasy pretty easily. So um, I liked what I saw overall. It's a fun offense. Um, be a lot more fun if McCaffrey was back. So hopefully we get that. Um, Cowboys side of the ball, like we said, Amari Cooper missed some time, um, but he still saw 29 snaps. Noah Brown filled in for him um, when he was out, but not much to see there. He didn't even have a target, I believe. So um, this Cowboys offense has kind of turned into – with Michael Gallup out and, and Amari Cooper, you know, he didn't do much last week and he missed some snaps this week. They're really taking what the defense gives them. And right now that is the tight ends. Um, so basically Dalton Schultz saw seven targets, had a touchdown. He could have had two. He was just short on one. Um, he had some fumbling issues, but they didn't cost him much. I mean, the, the Cowboys recovered him and uh, he didn't get benched or anything. So Dalton Schultz, 48 snaps, as many as CD Lamb saw. Um, Blake Jarwin saw 32. Uh, so Schultz is the guy in this passing game uh, as far as the tight ends go. Um, but other than that, like, you know, Amari Cooper had a nice deep catch down the sideline. Um, he gets three for 69 and a touchdown on just three targets. So he kind of bailed people out with that nice big play. Um, disappointing game for C.D. Lamb, two catches, 13 yards on five targets. Um, again, it was just, you know, they were trying to take C.D. away and they were leaving you know, a lot of stuff for Dak to hit to the tight ends. Um, the running game was really good, so they just didn't need to feed C.D. Lamb the ball. So I don't think it's a massive concern for C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. I think there are going to be better weeks, but this offense is certainly not the one, I think, of years past where there's just force-feeding the balls to the receivers here. So, Mike, are you concerned with these receivers? Were we way too high on C.D. Lamb, or is this going to correct itself? 
Well, it's interesting because, like, as we've both heard, uh, our resident uh, Dallas fan, Mark, has told us that, you know, that the offense is really big this year, as what you said, taking what they're given. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just begs the question of, are teams going to say, hey, beat us with the run? And if so, are they just going to say, all right, here's a lot of Zeke and a lot of Pollard, and there you go. Um, I'm not too worried because Lamb is super talented, and, you know, we've seen what he looks like, and I, I don't see these bad days continuing. I think he's going to develop and he's going to grow from it. And even if a team tries to take him away, I think he'll get to the point where he can just, you know, do it anyways. Um, it's just going to be, what is it, sophomore season, some sophomore growing pains still. And I think, you know, as he continues to grow, this is just going to make him a better receiver. Um, it is weird, though, seeing a Dak Prescott line of 188 yards. Yeah, but he gets you four touchdowns, so that's nice. But, yeah, I mean, 34 rushing attempts for the Cowboys for 245 yards. Um, four of those for, and 35 came from Dak, but – uh, Zeke goes for 20 for 143, Pollard 10 for 67. Um, this was kind of the concern for Pollard as a starting option was this week because it goes back to Zeke sees 45 snaps, Pollard sees 18. Pollard doesn't reach the end zone, so he doesn't really pay off for you. He did pay, he did play in the red zone some, so it could have happened. But um, overall, uh, this is still Zeke's backfield. He's still an RB1. He looks pretty good, really. Um but, you know, 34 rush attempts, seven completions to the tight end, seven completions to the receivers, none to the running backs, only one target. So this was a bit of a weird game for the Cowboys offense. I wouldn't expect it all year, but um, it, it does – you know, we do need to look at this offense and see where their priorities are. And right now they're having a lot of success on the ground and to the tight ends. So um, keep that in, um, in mind going forward. And then my last note was just kind of both defenses brought a lot of pressure and caused some issues at times. Um, Prescott did a really good job, wasn't sacked, didn't turn it over. But early on, the Panthers did get some pressure on them. So um, I think these are two improved defenses. I really like what I've seen from the Cowboys defense. So these might not be the cakewalk matchups that they might have been in the past. So you got any final thoughts on either of these teams? Because there's a lot of fantasy-relevant players in both of these. Well, just a question I thought of as you asked this. Uh, Who would you rather have on your team right now if you had your choice? Ezekiel Elliott? Or Alvin Kamara? I mean, I think we have to go Zeke because this offense is just so much better. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's Zeke. If if you put if you swap places, I'd take Kamara. I think he's the better player as far as PPR, you know, fantasy uh, goes. But, um, yeah, I trust this Cowboys offense a lot more than that Saints offense. Yeah, I think you're right. I'd, I like Kamara the player more, but I like Zeke the situation plus player more because the, the Cowboys offense, I can trust it more than I can trust New Orleans. Yeah, and I, sure, Pollard is going to fight him for time, but I don't think it's ever getting to 60-40 Pollard, you know? I think worst right. case, it's going to be 50-50 or 60-40 Zeke, and it was better than that this week. So, yeah, Zeke looks great right now. He was a great value in drafts. Um, so, yeah, that was a fun game, though, 36-28 Cowboys, and I think both teams can be excited going forward. So, um, all right, I've talked enough for a little while, Mike. Let's turn it over to you, <laughs> give you the floor. Um, we, we've got a lot to catch up on here because we just saw the Bears put – together one of the worst offensive performances we've seen in quite a while last week um this week though bears beat the lions 24 to 14 uh, what were your takeaways in this one yeah it was uh it was a rough week um we had calls to fire the coach <laughs> we had calls to have nick Foles start and some of it by fans saying just start Foles. and it, it, when you're saying start Foles instead of your rookie that's that's a bad spot to be in yeah. um bears came out and first drive went on a long drive for a touchdown. It was a ton of Montgomery. They were just pounding the ball with him early and often, and it looked great if you have Montgomery. Uh, you were having a good day for the first three quarters. Um, 
Justin Fields threw some good passes. He hit Mooney a few, t- a few times on that first drive, including a nice uh, 20. I forget, I forget how long it was, 20-plus yards, though. Um, but then you had uh, another touchdown in the second. Then they kind of just iced the game out over time. On the Detroit side, ooh, it was it was a frustrating day. So Detroit's first possession got down to the Chicago 8, and then Goff was sacked and fumbled, and they lost it. So the Bears took it away, and they drove right back down and scored. Second possession, the Lions got down to the Chicago 5, went for it on 4th and 5, and turnover on downs. So now there are two red zone trips and no points. Third drive was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. Um Jared Goff wasn't ready for the snap. The center snapped it at him. It hit his shoulder, ricocheted off, and landed in a defensive lineman's hands. So it might be the first case ever of a of an intercepted snap. Um, it's a very Jared Goff play. It's it's very, it's very Jared Goff, and it's very Lions. Like if I said name the team that this play happened to, there's probably like three teams you would think of, and the Lions would be one of them for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So going back to the Bears, then we'll go to the Lions again. Uh, Justin Fields looked a lot better. He had some time to work. He still held on to the ball, I think, a little too long. Not egregiously bad because he's mobile, so he can kind of get away with it a little bit better. Um, But he threw a few really nice deep balls. He had one to Robinson, two to Mooney, including a 60-plus yarder, another to Komet where Komet fell down. Otherwise, he would have had a a nice game there. and we hope that's where this offense is going to go. It's going to become a lot more deep passes and feels really striking and just going for chunks at a time. Um, David Montgomery, unfortunately, went down in the fourth quarter when the Bears were kind of icing out the clock on a six-yard gain. He grabbed his knee immediately, and you couldn't really see on the live broadcast what happened because it was in the back of the play. And all I know was a couple of the players went down on the knee right away because they saw the reaction and one of the announcers said, you know, we're not going to show you that replay. That was way too gruesome. And then of course my thought was, Oh gosh, I got to see this replay, but I wasn't able to find it yet. <laughs> um, word now is that it's not as serious as it looked. They think it might've just been hyperextended and not a tear of any kind. Um, that, that might still mean he's out for a bit. So we might be looking at Damian Williams or Khalil Herbert, whoever you, whoever you trust in that backfield. Um, but it's it's rough because Montgomery was just really eating up all the workload, and a lot of those Damian Williams carries, he had eight of them, came late in the game when they were icing out the clock because Montgomery wasn't available. Um, and then we'll finish up with the receivers. Uh, Darnell Mooney, this was a big coming out party for him. He had a few nice plays. He was double covered on his longest perception, but he still broke free from both guys, caught the ball, and then he kind of shrugged off the first tackle and he kept running with it. Uh, picked up 64 on the play. He had a couple other long, long catches. I think he had three 20 plus yarders on the day. Um, and then he had a designed run for him and he picked up another 10. So if, if Justin Fields is what I think he is, and if this team's going to keep going deep, Mooney could be really the guy who benefits because he's young. The bears are invested in him and the current GM would like to see one of his guys succeed. So I imagine they're going to give him every opportunity available to really go after it. Um, any questions you had on the Bears seeing that? Yeah, I mean, I touched on it earlier, but I mean, do you, is this any kind of a changing of the guard between Mooney and Allen Robinson? I mean, Mooney has now had five or six catches in three of his four games. 
Um, Robinson has had two or three catches in his last three. Um, for week one, he had six. But um, Mooney's taken over recently. That doesn't mean it's going to happen all year, though. Um, this is a you know this is a, a passing attack going through 17 times today, so it's it's really getting funneled down. Um, luckily, most of those targets are still going to Mooney and Robinson. But um, is this going to our team's going to adjust, or the Bears going to adjust, and is it going to go back to Robinson, or is this kind of like Mooney is the player of the future and getting phased out? Uh, Robinson is a little bit here going forward. Yeah, it's definitely weird. Um, I would still say Robinson's the better talent, but I, I have wondered that to my like myself because. Robinson in his game so far, six receptions, two receptions, two receptions, and then three on only three targets today. So it does feel like last year they kind of force-fed Robinson all the time, mm-hmm. and now it's like, oh, uh, we don't really need him anymore. And I, I wonder if it's like, all right, we're not going to have him next year. We have to learn to live without him. Um, I still would rather have Robinson right now. Every, we always kind of jump to the young guy after the one big game and it's like, Oh man, the big, exciting, fast new player where he's going to just rip it up every week. But next week we could easily be looking at Mooney with like one or two targets because the defense really locks in on him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, w- I would still lean Robinson here. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a matchup against the Lions that should be good for this offense. And I think from a fantasy perspective though, this game's Pretty discouraging for anyone who's not David Montgomery. I mean, like I said, only 17 attempts from fields, although 209 yards, that's not bad on 17 attempts by any means. But, um, you know, he only rushes three times for nine yards. Uh, There's really all the volume went to David Montgomery here. So uh, are they still not really using fields as a rusher a whole lot? Like, is there any streaming potential coming up soon for fields or this passing game? Is it just always going to be this limited, do you think, for a little while? Or um, did we see signs today that maybe they start opening things up? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's really going to come down to playing teams that don't have a super aggressive pass rush. Mm-hmm. Because as we saw against the Rams, when they're playing a really good, uh, excuse me, not the Rams, the Browns, when they're playing a really good pass rush, we we know what they can do. This, this Bears offensive line is not great. It's not even good. Um, I think Fields is going to be useful when he's playing a team where he can sit back and think. And then I also think it's going to have to be against teams that have a, a, a beatable pass defense right now. So you're kind of looking for the sweet spot of teams with a bad or okay pass rush and kind of an okay to good co- uh, corners in the backfield. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess a lot of it's just kind of waiting on Montgomery at this point because if he's out, uh, that's a huge opportunity on this offense. So either – Either Damian Williams and, you know, Khalil Herbert's going to get it or it's going to go to the passing game. So I think we'll really be watching to see what's going on with Montgomery here. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Any last thoughts on the Bears? I do have some questions about the Lions. Yeah, I I think to your point, it's like obviously David Montgomery, I wouldn't call him one of the elite backs, but this is a team that does lean heavily on him. He's like I'd call him a mini Derrick Henry and that like like the Lions really lean on Henry. This team leans on Montgomery. So it could be a bad sign for the whole offense if that goes down. I mean, maybe Fields will kind of rise up and and cover it up, but yeah, that would it would be tough. Okay, and then line side of things, um, they they finally got their receivers involved. Quintez Cephas four for eighty three, Amon Ross St. Brown six for seventy, Khalif Raymond three for forty six and two touchdowns. Like, was that mainly just kind of the matchup with the Bears? Um, I mean, Hawkinson still sees eight targets, Swift six. I mean, they did throw a lot of times, but. Did you see any kind of change from this Bears off, or I mean, this Lions offense, or is this just kind of a kind of a blip on the radar from these receivers? Yeah, I, I like some of the talent I saw. I liked how Quintez Cephas looked. Uh, he was the one that really stood out to me. But a lot of these plays came on broken Bears coverage, 
And it's just a reminder the Bears pass defense is not good. It's not good at all. Um, we really saw it against the Rams where I feel like the Bears gave up like two or three, like 60 plus yard plays. And it was just like a joke. It was like watching like a grade school team try to cover like a college team. Um, and I, I counted just kind of thinking back to it, two plays where Cephas was kind of wide open and caught something, at least one play where St. Brown, it was his long play, caught something. Um, the, I would say the ones who impressed me most were Cephas and then Hawkinson. Hawkinson got a lot of volume. He had one drop. It would have been a tough catch, but you could tell they wanted to go to him and they wanted to hit him. So, Okay. Well, yeah, he at least saw his volume bounce back after a down week. He's going to be fine going forward. So, okay. Yeah. Bears win 24 to 14. Um, things are on the right track. At least we aren't going to fire the coach this week, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, I can probably go through this one pretty quickly here. Um, I watched a lot of the Cleveland Browns and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, it went about as you would expect this game to go. Cleveland wins 14 to seven. Um, I, I think my big takeaway here was I'm starting to wonder with the Browns if this style of offense is going to hurt them in the long run. Um, they've got a loaded roster. And I, I think most teams that are uh, not good teams and trying to pull an upset, they tend to like um, try to shorten the game and limit the possessions. And it's kind of what the Browns are doing, but they have a better team than who they're playing. And so it's kind of like keeping – it kept the Vikings in this game. It was just always a one-score game, even though the Browns were dominating. Um, and I just – I don't see any progression from this offense. Um, I thought Baker Mayfield looked pretty bad, honestly. He was 15-33 to 33 for 155, took three sacks, missed some throws, just wasn't making plays. I mean, I just – most of the plays he made, any game-managing quarterback could have made. So I was pretty disappointed in Mayfield. Um, otherwise, you know, Hunt sees 40 snaps, Chubb sees, uh, 38. So it's about a split backfield. Uh, Chubb gets his hundred yards rushing. Kareem Hunt gets 69 and a touchdown. Um, neither of them are super involved in the passing game. It's pretty much how you would expect it. Um, and then it was just, you know, a lot of tight ends used, especially early. Um, Austin Hooper leads the way in snaps, but Njoku was right there with them. Uh, there's just, I don't know. There's not much in this passing game. Beckham only catches two of seven targets was not his fault. He, had his guy his guy torched a couple times and Baker just had terrible throws honestly like he he left a lot of plays on the field um, Beckham had a, a deep play action for 24 yards in the mid fourth quarter he had one catch before that so um, I don't know I I was really not impressed with Baker here the, the Browns are talented enough that they can win this way they have a good defense um, a good running game but I I just don't see them ready to take a next step maybe as Beckham gets back it changes but um, I don't know. I just came out of this being concerned with this offense unless you have one of the running backs. So um, do you have any thoughts on like, do they need to take a step here or am I overblowing it and they're three and one and they're, they're leaning on what got them here? Yeah. I, I, I think they're like, they just strike me as a team that's going to be good. They're going to be in the playoffs. They might win a playoff game or two, but we all know they have no chance to really do anything because as soon as this team plays the chiefs or the the Bills, I feel like they're just going to kick the snot out of these guys. Like, they're going to complete two passes for touchdowns, and it's like, well, they scored 14. We mathematically can't win this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, I don't know. I mean, they had, like, so they had an 18-play, 64-yard drive that took eight minutes and 39 seconds of game time. And, like, I don't know. It's just, I wonder, like I said, it's just, it's shortening the game. And when you're playing a team that's worse than you, I just feel like it, it What's the team hang in there a little longer? And I'd like to see them open things up, but maybe they just know they can't. I mean, they looked better against the Chiefs week one in a shootout when they needed it. But, um, you know, I mean, they were like, they were picking up 
uh, first downs on third and 20 runs with Kareem Hunt. Like they, they, it was, it was, it was Brown's football. That's what I would say. So um, I, I think we need to see more if we want to trust any of these players for fantasy outside of the running backs. I hope Beckham can turn it around. Um, like I said, it wasn't his fault, but um, he needs some help from his quarterback. So uh, yeah, it, yeah, go ahead. It feels like this year we could just be making excuses for Odell all year, but I think we're like destined for another bad Odell year because if this offense is a terrible passing offense, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to get any better. Like yeah. Mayfield's not going to start suddenly throwing 300 a game. This team likes to run and they like defense and that's what they're going to do. Yep. And I was encouraged by Beckham last week. They were getting him involved. It wasn't deep shots. I mean, he had a bunch of targets and he put together a pretty good game, but there was nothing there this week um, other than the deep shots. And if, if your quarterback's not going to hit you on them, then that doesn't work. So um, yeah, I don't know more of the same for the Browns, but um, I was hoping for a bigger step this year. They have some speed at receiver, so um, they should be able to open things up. So um, Viking side, you know, so Dalvin Cook, um, he leaves the game with an injury. He actually came back on the final drive when they got the ball back with like three minutes left down the touchdown. So um, he's obviously not like multi-week injury, I don't think, but he's going through this this ankle injury. And um, because of that, he played 33 snaps. Madison played 23. But it was like Dalvin was just out a huge chunk here of time. So um, otherwise, you know, Justin Jefferson looked great. Um, Adam Thielen, you know, he had a down game, but uh, nobody's worried about that. But they couldn't get anything going on the on the ground here. Only 23 carries for 65 yards. And when the Vikings can't get things going on the ground, it's not going to be pretty. So um, I don't know really how many takeaways there were um, from this um, Vikings offense. I, I was honestly kind of worried about them going into this game because of the Browns pass rush. And I don't think the Vikings offensive line is all that great. So, um, I mean, you know, there was like a holding call that brought back a big Justin Jefferson catch. Um, Cousins threw a pick on a deep ball to Thielen, who was single covered. Just you know, they just didn't connect on it. But um, I, I don't think there's a ton to take away from this Vikings offense. It is what we thought it was. If you were looking for like KJ Osborne, um, he he had seven targets, so he still got the usage. Three catches, 26 yards. He had a really nice catch on the sideline, but uh, it, it's there's really not enough in this passing game most weeks to go beyond Jefferson and Thielen here. Um, so yeah, I don't know. If you have any questions, or you just want to move on to your, your next game? No, I think that's good. As you said, um, it's going to be a nightmare to be a cook owner now the rest of the year because if he's battling an injury, it's going to linger for a while. And you're, every week you're going to be wondering if Madison's going to steal the snaps. Yeah, man, uh, you know, Browns held the ball 35 minutes. Vikings had it 24. That was that was a bit of the issue for the Vikings offense. So they'll be fine in other matchups, but this was not a great matchup for them. So, um, all right, so let's get to um, – Let's see, the Steelers and the Packers. That was the next game you covered, correct? Yeah, Steelers-Packers. So this one, uh, it it looked kind of surprising early. Pittsburgh went for a quick drive, um, scored a touchdown on a nice Big Ben throw. It was a uh, 45-yard pass to Deontay Johnson. And you could tell the announcers were like, oh, man, Big Ben's back. This is going to be great. Like, we're going to get Big Ben and Aaron, you know, dealing. And then the Pittsburgh didn't do anything else. Um <laughs> So spoilers, uh, yeah, the rest of the game wasn't so fun for the Steelers. Um, after that one drive, Ben didn't do much. And as we've kind of seen before, the team had a little bit of trouble running the ball. Um, and yeah, it was it was a stagnant offense for them. Deontay Johnson looked good, 92 yards, ton of receptions, 13 targets, nine receptions. Um, he's always been my favorite here, so that worked well today. Uh, Juju, quiet. James Washington was a little blip, 69 yards on four catches. Um, 
But as I said, mostly this was the Packers. They scored on five straight drives. They said on the broadcast that I think it was since 2017 or 2016 that was the last time they had done that in a game. So kind of kind of a big deal, I guess. Um, I don't know. Two of them were field goals, so it's kind of just whatever. <laughs> um, Rodgers looked good. I mean, there's a shocker. He's <laughs> he's always going to look good. Um, Green Bay team is starting to look legit. The backfield looked good. A.J. Dillon got a lot of work, 15 carries, 81 yards. Aaron Jones, 15 carries, 48 yards, but he saw more in the passing game. Three tar- uh, three receptions for 51. Um yeah, I like this team. I think A.J. Dillon is good for the team. I think for fantasy, we're going to kind of hate it because you're going to think, man, if only Jones got half of those carries, that would just be beautiful. And I don't think Dillon will see that much every week. It's probably, you know, he's probably going to steal the hard yards because he's such a big dude. They're like, why would you not just want to put Dillon in for a one-yard gain and just let him smash forward as hard as he can? Um, and then Randall Cobb had a big day. Five receptions, 69 yards, a pair of touchdowns. Um, but in, as, as we talked about earlier in the day, it, it's going to be hard to trust any of these receivers who aren't Devonte Adams, because as soon as you think it's Cobb, they're going to focus on Cobb and then he's going to disappear because he's kind of just a guy. And then you're going to be looking at Alan Lazard or Robert Tunyon or whoever. So, yeah. um, I, I don't think opinion wise much has changed out of this game. The Pittsburgh offense is still frustrating because you just imagine like with a really good quarterback right now, what all those weapons could do, but yeah, that that's what I saw. What do you think on that one? Yeah, so I mean, as far as the backfield, uh, Aaron Jones still saw forty five snaps. AJ Dillon saw twenty nine. So I don't think that's too much of a cause for concern. We saw Jones good with Jamal Williams last year. Um, we we should mention Marquez Valdez Scantling missed this game due to injury. So that could kind of you know be a part of Cobb's um, uptick in usage. Um, he still only saw thirty three snaps. Alan Lazard saw a lot more. So I'm not really ready to buy into Randall Cobb here. It could just as easily, like you said, it could be Tunyon next week. Tunyon at least saw seven targets this week. I mean, he had a complete dud. We were telling you not to start him, so I hope you didn't start this two catch for eight eight yard game. But he did at least see an uptick in targets, so that's encouraging. But yeah, overall, we know what this this offense is in Green Bay. Um, they went twenty seven to seventeen at home. I, I think it went pretty much as expected. So. I would say the biggest um, disappointment was Juju, just two catches for 11 yards. Um, but, yeah, I, I think outside of that, we, we pretty much covered this one. Um, Roethlisberger just continues to look really bad. So I, it's it's going to be tough. Uh, Johnson's going to be fine, Deontay and Najee Harris, because they can catch these short targets. But otherwise, this offense is pretty bad. Yep. Okay, this was a lot more uh, interesting of a game, um, and I was very surprised at the outcome. Um, I watched a lot of the Cardinals and Rams, and – Cardinals go into LA, which I think a lot of team, a lot of people would have put as the best team in the league. Um, Cardinals win thirty-seven to twenty, and that's with a last-minute touchdown from the Rams. So Cardinals really blew them out. Um, it was very impressive. Kyler Murray looks so good; like he, he's got all the rushing plays that he can do. He ran six times for thirty-nine yards. He can buy time when he's throwing the ball, um, but he was also like, you know, he's accurate with with his passes. He was throwing the ball away when he needed to. He was buying time when he needed to. He just. He looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. So uh, he's got to stay healthy, obviously, and we don't always trust his coach. But Kyler Murray looks great. Um, And this running game looked really good, too. Um, Chase Edmonds gets 12 for 120. A lot of that came on um, the last drive to kind of put the game away, where it was like a 99-yard drive. He had busted a 54-yarder. But um, that's fine because Chase Edmonds, we like him for his passing game work, too, and he was involved. I mean, only four catches for 19 yards, but he was a part of the passing game. So 
Edmonds looks good. Connor gets another two touchdowns, 18 carries for 50 yards. It's not pretty with Connor, um, but he's going to be useful. This offense is way too good. So if he's seeing, you know, almost half the snaps, he's going to be useful. He'll be touchdown dependent, but um, I, I think it's easy to write him off because it's James Connor. But um, in this offense, I, th- I think we're still interested here. So um, I'm trying to see how many snaps he saw. Yeah, Edmonds saw 52 snaps and Connor 33. So that's that's still enough usage for him to be relevant. Um, otherwise, AJ Green, he caught a, a deep touchdown, 41 yard touchdown on single coverage. Um, didn't have a lot of separation, but you know Kyler put it where he needed to, and AJ Green came down with it. And five for 67 overall, he he was involved. Other than that touchdown. Hopkins saw a lot of Jalen Ramsey, um, was fighting with them, ends up four for 67. I think people are going to be pretty worried about Hopkins after a couple down weeks. Um, I, I think the matchup was a big part of it, though. It was just him and Ramsey fighting. So um, I'm not going to panic on Hopkins yet. And then, um, you know, Rondale Moore, he's not seen enough snaps to be super relevant weekly. But Max Williams at tight end, five catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he's had a good string here of games this year, and I, I think we're at the point where Max Williams might be streamable. He seems to have a legitimate role in this offense. Um, he has seen five, three, and seven targets over the last three weeks. So I think if you're desperate at tight end, you can pick him up because he's the clear guy at tight end, and uh, Kyler's just spreading it around to whoever's open. So um, I would take a look at him if you're desperate. Um, any thoughts on this Cardinals offense? I was just overall, I was so impressed they did this against the Rams. Yeah, it, it's it's a huge win. Um, yeah. And we knew this was going to be a hard-fought division. So to pull one out early on your, your team you're tied with and you're going to be battling with, that's huge. I mean, I still have the Rams as the favorite in this division despite this outcome. But like 4-0 and versus 3-1, and that yeah, that's enormous. And as you said, Kyler Murray's looking really good. And that's that was my biggest two questions on this team were, is Kyler Murray going to develop as a passer? where he's not just running for a hundred yards every game because I worry about him. He's small. And if he keeps running, it's, it's not going to last forever. Um, and then if Cliff Kingsbury, could, you know, call a good game for this team, because <laughs> yeah. I felt like last year at times, the sum wasn't as good as the parts. And you, you just wonder if it's the coach and if there's a coach problem, but four and oh, so I gotta, I gotta give him and uh, Kyler credit here. Yep. Christian Kirk disappears. I think we all kind of knew this game was coming eventually. Um, one target and one catch. Um, they, I mean, they ran the ball 40 times. That's not going to happen every week. So uh, right. the offense, it looked great. The receivers are going to trade off weeks to some extent, but there is value in just about all these receivers. So overall, really excited about their offense. Um, for the Rams, this was the first game where I think we saw a team adjust to the new Rams offense, and they kind of struggled to adjust back, I thought. Um, They kept trying to force the ball to Cooper Cup all game, 13 targets. Uh, He only had five for 64, though. Um, Cup had a drop. There were some just, you know, really contested catch situations uh, Stafford was trying to fit it in on, um, and he just kept trying to force it to Cup. So I think he needs to adjust. He threw at least one interception going to – yeah, he threw one interception on the game. So he threw one going to Cup in heavy coverage. Um, So I I think we need to adjust here. so we'll see if they adjust going forward. Uh, Robert Woods gets a complete garbage time touchdown. Uh, he goes for four for 48 um, on six targets, but it was bad most of the game. So I'm not sure if anything's changed with Robert Woods. And actually Van Jefferson, uh, six catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown on six targets for Woods. So Woods still saw 65 snaps, Cup 65, Van Jefferson 46. So it's – the, the usage didn't necessarily change, but they're finding Van Jefferson a lot more than Robert Woods right now. So um, Deshaun Jackson disappeared. I, as long as he's getting 22 snaps, it's going to be hard to trust him. Um, Higby's a solid tight end, but um, 
he didn't quite break out this game. So I'll get to the running backs here in a, a minute, but um, I don't know. I, I think they're just, they're going to need to adjust. I think that means good things for Robert Woods going forward, but we still kind of need to see it first here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think the notion that Cup was just going to keep doing what he was doing all year was kind of crazy. Yep. Because we know Cup is a little bit limited of a player. Um, obviously, he's incredibly talented, but he has trouble against man. He has trouble against press. And if a team ultimately wants to take him out of a game, there are ways to do it. Um, yep. and, and I think you're right. They're going to look at this game and say, all right, we can't just force feed one dude. We're never going to win the Super Bowl. And we all know they badly want to win the Super Bowl this year because it's in L.A., the team's all set up. They've traded 800,000 draft picks to make this team the way it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think now, if you still have someone selling who doesn't like Woods, now is an amazing time to buy. Yeah, man, Stafford, I mean, he's, he struggled a little bit this game. He did underthrow Deshaun Jackson again. He did that a couple times last week, and it was intercepted. Um, and, well, actually, he only had one interception. So I think I'm miscounting an interception here. But he did underthrow Deshaun for sure. Um, it could have been a big play. Um, he missed Cooper Cup on a route where Cup kind of stumbled, but he still had him open for a touchdown. Um, he just, he, yeah, no, no, he was trying to force it and just missed some throws. So um, we'll, I'm sure Stafford will look better next week. But um, as far as the running backs here, um, Daryl Henderson, I mean, they had huge holes opening up for him early on, and I'm actually surprised they went away from it. They were kind of running at will with them. Um, then Sony Michelle came in to the start of the next drive and fumbled. Um, and they didn't like go away from Sony Michelle completely, but he only ends up with three carries. Um, Henderson looked pretty good. He got a lot of garbage time receptions towards the end. He, that's where he got his five for 27. I don't know if I'd bank on that, but he was somewhat involved in the passing game early too. So, um, overall, I really think they could have taken advantage of this Cardinals defense running the ball even more. Um, and I would expect as long as he's healthy, which is a big question, I think he's going to have some really good weeks coming up because he looked good and the running game looked good. So I'm overall, I'm still bought into this offense. Um, it was just kind of one of those weeks for them. And uh, I, yeah, it's just, they got stuffed on a, a fourth and one late in the game. Like there's a lot of weird stuff going on. So not worried about this offense as a whole, um, but I bet they're going to take try to take advantage of this running game a little bit more going forward. So would you be in on Daryl Henderson or is he just still too much of like an injury risk for you? Oh yeah, I'm in on him. I just have a contingency plan because I know like, He's, he's one moment away from, all right, he's out for two to three weeks and I need a backup plan. And I don't really trust Sony Michelle and I don't want to use him. Um, but yeah, I, I've always loved Henderson's talent. I just think the team, they're, they're in a tricky situation because they need him to run because he's their only running back right now. And they also need to protect him because they need him for the playoffs. So it's like, mm -hmm. there's a very fine balancing act going on there. Yep, for sure. Uh, but for now, it doesn't appear that we've got the uh, Sony Michelle like one B roll where we can play him. We'll see if he gets more work next week. But that, that fumble certainly didn't help. So, all right, Mike. Um, I think that about wraps it up for us. We're going to bring on our Pats uh, fans from the QB list staff to talk about this Pats Buccaneers game that's going on. So I want to save a little time for that. Um, do you have any takeaways that we didn't get to? Any last thoughts or uh, just anything you want to add in before you get out of here? No, I think that covers it. Uh, Buffalo Bills look great. Houston Texans look terrible. So some things are as we expected. <laughs> yeah. Give it enough weeks that NFL season, things start to stabilize. So, all right, Mike. Well, thanks for joining me. And next up is this Titanic Bucks and Patriots matchup. I am now joined to talk the thrilling Patriots-Buccaneers game by two of our staff writers who I do not think thought this game was going to be this close. I'm joined by Ben Brown and Ryan Heath. 
Um, Ryan Heath, obviously the Sit Start podcast. Ben Brown are awesome. What we saw, manager. I'm buttering them up before uh, they have to talk about this loss. Uh, close game off the upright. Buccaneers win 19 to 17. Let's start with you, Ben. Um, I like I said, I don't think you expected it to be like this. Uh, what were your thoughts from this game? Um, happy, sad. Just walk me through, uh, P- Pat's fan after this close Brady homecoming game. Yeah, it was a range of emotions. Uh, you know, obviously when Brady first ran to the stadium, the crowd was going nuts. It was one of those, man, I, I wish I was there moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as soon as he ran on the field and the crowd was booing, I was like, all right, we're, we're here for a game. Like we're not here to, you know, cheer on the, the past victories. We're here to win a football game and the Patriots showed up. Uh, they really did. I was really impressed with uh, how the defense played. I was really impressed by Mac Jones. I know Chris Collinsworth wouldn't shut up about it, uh, but Jones was, you know, he played his rear end off uh, in this one. And, uh, you know, there were there were a couple instances where I, I second guessed uh, the GOAT on the Patriots sideline uh, in Bill Belichick. Uh, I, I really didn't like the punt uh, on fourth and two uh, late in the I think late in the second quarter that ended up with uh, Brady kicking a field or Brady didn't kick the field goal, but Brady let him down the field and and Tampa kicked a field goal before the half. And then uh, the fourth and two at the end of the game that uh, led to Nick Folk's doink, uh, which Bear fans know very well. Um, it, it was a range of emotions. I really thought they were going to pull it out. I really did. There was that, that type of magic in the air tonight. And I'm, I'm just I'm disappointed. Uh, but I, I wasn't expecting to be disappointed. I was expecting to just kind of be, you know, uh, upset afterwards after a blowout. So I'm happily disappointed. Yep. And I know Ryan, you were expecting, uh, quite a different game here. So I, I'm assuming you kind of let your gel- get, let yourself get sucked into this one and excited. And, uh, it was a tough loss, but, um, how do you think about this team? How'd Mac Jones look and where do you think you're at going forward? Yeah, I had myself convinced that we were going to lose this 50 to 14 all week. I think I said it on the sit start podcast. uh, And I really thought I was just preparing myself to not be too destroyed after the game and to just know that it was coming and take it like a champ. But yeah, you're right. I did really get sucked into this one. And I really don't have a lot to say. Uh, Like Ben said, it's those two play calls on the fourth and twos the punt and the field goal attempt. I mean, you really want both of those back and it's really not Mac's fault. Like I thought Mac looked awesome tonight. He arguably played toe to toe with Brady, which is really impressive and is great for the future of the team, but it, man, this one hurts. It's, it's hard not to take this one pretty hard. It does. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the questionable field goal decision at the end, fourth and two, even if they make that, Brady's got a minute and two timeouts to match that field goal. So I, I think right. that was questionable for sure. Um, I mean, it's in the rain. It was a, it, miserable conditions the whole game. So that's asking an awful lot of folk there. I mean, I wonder if, you know, it, you don't have much time to make a decision. You, I think you just kind of have to go with it. So I bet if Belichick had yeah, two and a half minutes to think that one over, he might have gone a different way. But, um, you know, these games get wild down the stretch. Uh, but, it was, I mean, hey, it was a, it was a crazy game. Uh, the Pats only rushed eight times for negative one yards. Teams have just abandoned running against the Buccaneers defense. Uh, Mac Jones, 40 attempts, uh, 275 yards, which doesn't sound that impressive, but in these conditions against that defense, um, he looked great. Um, I, I think he still needs to make some steps as far as like, you know, a dynamic quarterback option. But for a, cor- a rookie in his fourth start, um, he looks calm and collected and 
pretty much can handle everything thrown at him. Look great in the two minute drill. So, um, Ben, I mean, just long term, like you, y'all are all in now on Mac Jones, right? Like, give yourself a day to recover here, and you guys are probably ordering jerseys. I would imagine well, if you haven't already. One thousand percent. Ryan and I were ready to order jerseys if they pulled that game out. Uh, we were going to do it actually on the podcast. I don't know if Ryan knew that, but I was going to do it on the podcast. We're going to do it live here. Uh, but yeah, no, the future obviously looks bright with Mac. Uh, this was a tough situation to be in, uh, to be playing against your predecessor who won six championships. Uh, you know, the weight was on his shoulders tonight uh, and he kind of just shrugged it off. And he I don't want to say he slung the ball around because he was dinking and dunking all night long, but it's all I need to do. He was basically running it through the air. Uh, you know, five, six yards here. He had a couple long throws to uh, Jacoby Myers, and I think he had one to uh, Aguilar. Um, the trick plays definitely helped. Uh, but, no, he he's he's looking good for the future. Um, man, I just wish he would have pulled this one out. I really do. <laughs> yeah, and it looks it like hurts. he's latched on to Jacoby Myers. 12 targets, eight catches, 70 yards. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I think he's pretty locked in going forward. I was happy to see Hunter Henry get his touchdown. Uh, I know both Ryan and I uh, were touting him as a streamer this week. So uh, I don't know. You think it's kind of uh, they need to figure out the running game, but it'll be better most weeks, uh, figure out a replacement for James White. But yeah, I think this passing game is kind of settling into place. Don't you think, Ryan? Yeah, I'd agree. It was nice that they finally got the tight ends involved some more. Uh, Johnny Smith had a nice touchdown catch uh, leaking out on a play where they thought they were going to run it on the goal line. So that was really nice to see a little bit of creative play calling there. Um, But yeah, as far as the passing game goes, it's hard to poke too many holes. Like from a offensive skill position perspective, like the biggest glaring mistake tonight was the JJ Taylor fumble. Um, and he's going to be in the doghouse. We may never see him play another snap <laughs> for the Patriots again. I, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. No, it's true. It's so like, true. Like that, that was his shot. Like, will we see Ramondre Stevenson again? Maybe. Are we going to have to suffer through Brandon Bolden the rest of the year? Probably. I, yeah, I, I don't know where this like backfield goes from here. Maybe Damian Harris takes over some receiving work. That would it would be unusual for a Bill Belichick team in recent years, but we could see it happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can't take too much the minus one yards, eight attempts. You can't really read into that too much against the Bucks defense. As we've said, they've shut down pretty much every running game that they've been up against in the last year and four games. So, Yeah. <laughs> The real yeah. test will be Houston next week. They have Houston next week. I'm not sure where the game is, but uh, we're going to see who who you know replaces uh, Damian Harris on uh, you know when he gets winded. Um, that that's that's going to be where we're really going to you know see what that backfield shakes up to be. Yeah, at Houston next week, um, home against the Cowboys, then home against the Jets. So you got a little bit of an up and down schedule here. So yeah. uh, maybe a couple wins to help catch up. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Brandon Bolden with six for 51 in the air. Um, but Damien Harris did. I mean, he had two catches for 30 yards and he actually at least one of those passes looked pretty impressive. So uh, I know it's a lot to ask, but maybe they'll start giving him the ball. But yeah, they've kind of rotated through all the running backs have fumbled at this point outside of Bolden, probably. So um, I wonder if Stevenson, though, is just kind of on like the uh, Damian Harris path. Like they pretty much, you know, just benched him his rookie year. Um, I don't know if it's learning the playbook or what, but uh, it would be nice to see Stevenson get in there, but I wouldn't hold my breath on it. So, um, all right, I'm, it's late, guys. I'm not going to keep you around forever. Um, 
I guess I would just say, does this like, as far as this year goes, does this shoot up your expectations or are you all kind of like looking long-term here? But like, I'll start with you, Ben, does this like change anything about your outlook for this team this year? Um, you know, I wasn't expecting, you know, 10 wins out of them this year. Like a lot of analysts were preseason. Uh, obviously I knew there'd be some growing pains with Mac. Um, I, I, I was so impressed with this game though, that I think maybe they have a chance to beat a team like the Cowboys. Um, so yeah, I think obviously long-term is still what we're gunning for as Patriots fans. We we're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I think we have a fighting chance at the playoffs and, and maybe getting a little frisky in late January. Who knows? Yeah. Same for you, Ryan. Yeah, I, I mostly agree. Like they're going to continue to beat all the bad teams on the schedule and probably sneak out a win here or there against some of the stronger teams and compete for a wild card. But yeah, really long term is where I'm looking. I, I, I would say I'm more excited about Mac Jones and the future of the franchise than I was 24 hours ago. So I would have ordered the jersey on the podcast if they'd won. Absolutely would have done that. Um, I probably still will order it. I might wait till tomorrow when I collect my thoughts a little more. But (laughs) yeah, so that's where I'm at. Okay. Well, yeah. And I mean, I thought Belichick put together a great game plan against Brady. Um, So, I mean, that's looking good going forward. The fact that Mac Jones only turned it over once, I believe, in this miserable weather, that's great. So, lots of good things to point towards here. Um, It's, uh, hey, it's a rookie quarterback and uh, things are looking good. That's that's generally all that matters when you have a rookie quarterback. So, better days ahead. Um, I appreciate you both all coming on. Again, I didn't know how much torture this would be when I signed you up for this. So, um, thanks for showing up for this. yeah, and just everyone, like I said before, make sure to check out the uh, what we saw article on the site. Uh, we're going to cover all the games that we didn't have a chance to get to here. So um, Ben does a great job with his team on that, and uh, please check it out. You'll get some more insights that we weren't able to give you. So um, Pat's fans are recovering tonight, but, um, uh, you know, good things ahead. Thank you all for joining us. And, uh, yeah, best of luck on your Monday night. Uh, so let's come up.